Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. So uh, today uh, I have uh, my new virtual friend, Sandra Noemi Torres. And, uh, you know, Sandra, you and I were talking about how, obviously, you know, nowadays, especially nowadays with the pandemic, you just meet a lot of people online. And, um, you know, and, and obviously some people you kind of just gravitate naturally, right? Just based on the personality, what you read about someone on their LinkedIn profile or comments, et cetera, and so forth. And I you, I don't, I don't remember how long it is or when we connected. That To me, that's really not important. But what is important is what caught my attention and the reason why you and I are here today to talk about letting go of cultural baggage is because I posted uh, something where it was a picture of my parents and my brother and I old picture and uh, I talked about uh, underprivileged and the whole thing about that was you know for me growing up I heard that word and I still to this day hear a lot of people a lot of organizations schools etc use the word underprivileged as you know and it tends to carry a negative connotation and as I've gotten older and today, part of my training that I do is career development training, where I train professionals that are 40 and older of all shapes and sizes, of all ethnicities, all colors of the rainbow. And some of these people have, were very successful in their career, executives that were very privileged. And the thing is, is that these, what I refer to as these overprivileged 40 plus year olds today have some of the lowest self-images. And those of us that went through crap in our life, the underprivileged, have learned how to turn that crap into fertilizer. And you made a comment on my post about letting go of the cultural baggage. So that's how you and I connected. But before, you know, let me just let everyone know a little bit about your background. So folks, Sandra is a marketing and business strategy with over 20 years uh, of experience working with individuals and organizations, helping them create clarity, focus, and execute on marketing. She uh, has a little over 13 years that she has her company called Plan Your Company. Very active on social media. She has her own uh, podcast called on leadership. And so, Sandra, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. I, thank you so much for having me, Oscar. I, I feel so privileged to be on here. So I'm, I'm really grateful to you and I'm glad that we connected and um, I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's start off because I always want to give people some background, right, on who uh, is uh, with us today. So yeah. give us a little more, you know, flavor, put a little bit more sugar, put a little bit more, you know, uh, yes. uh, you know, um, spice or, or I use the word sazon to that cafecito and let everyone know more about your your background and, and your career story. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um, I've been in sales and marketing for the for 
20 plus years. Um, and you know, that, that kind of is, as a Latina, I almost, I have to say this, and I hate that I have to say what I'm about to say next is, I'm also the mother of a 24 year old. I'm a single, I, I was a single mom that I raised him on my own. And one of the struggles, and I mean, like this is, we're not even into the conversation yet, but that's always been a barrier to me as well is because I look so young. So people immediately are like, oh, she's young, she doesn't know. And then when they hear me speak, that's a different story. But Initially, I have to always, I feel like I always have to pre preface this, who I am with, I've also raised a 24-year-old on my own as a single mom. Yeah. You know, um, I've been in sales and marketing for the last 20 plus years. Um, I'm the founder and president of United Latinas, which is an organization that I created to make sure that we are helping Latinas be put in more positions of leadership and empowerment uh, in political spheres, in uh, business uh, circles. So I'm very passionate about that too. Like you said, I'm also the host of Cafe Con Leadership where I interview leaders. Um, and um, I have, um, you know, it, it's really just my story. You know, like I, I guess we accumulate our identity by the things and obstacles and things that we've had to overcome in life. Um, but to uh, kind of just round about who I am as far as a career. Yeah, I've been, I spent 20 years in sales and marketing, managing $60 million budgets, working with entrepreneurs, understanding the psychology of what makes somebody respond to your ad. What makes somebody mm. register for your event? What makes somebody click? Where's that emotion? Where's that connection? Where? How do we connect with other human beings and let them know, hey, we're on the same page. We're about to con commune together, you know? Um, and I love that part of marketing. I love the connection part of marketing. That's why I value LinkedIn so much is one of those reasons. Yeah, well, you know, and first of all, I wanna congratulate you for uh, you know, being a single mother and, and raising uh, your son, obviously being a parent in general is not easy, let alone being a single mom. And, um, you know, congratulations to you for, for doing that and, and uh, you know, just excelling and succeeding because you, I'm sure, had many reasons why you could have given up. And, you know, I reflect back and I share this and I talk a lot about this, that today, having lost both my parents, I reflect a lot on the lessons that I learned from my parents. And quite frankly, those life lessons that I learned from them have served me way more than my college degree has. So I'm sure probably it's the same thing uh, with your son. So congratulations on that. Um, the other thing that I love that you said about, you know, this whole marketing is that marketing is truly knowing how to right connect with, with people. And there's a right way, obviously, to do marketing. And then there's the wrong way to do it. And same thing, there's the right way to do LinkedIn. There's the wrong way to do it. Like, I'm, I gotta tell you, I mean, and I'm not the only one there, but I get so annoyed when people uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, they don't even personalize the message. And then secondly, as soon as you accept that invitation to connect, immediately they throw the sales pitch. I mean, I had a dude like five months ago, uh, send, at least he personalized his message, but he was trying to sell me LED lights in the pandemic. I'm like, dude, I, like, do you not know that I think most of us are like working from home? Like what LED lights do I need in my house? Okay, like, but anyway, so. Um, it's so true. Let's get into the topic of cultural, letting go of cultural baggage. First of all, when you hear cultural baggage, what does that mean to you? 
Yes, um, that is a very broad question. And it's applicable to all ethnicities and everyone has their own sense of cultural baggage. I obviously come from the experience from the Latina experience. So that is really all I'm able to deliver. Um, although I obviously understand that everybody undergoes um, their own sense of, of baggage. But there's there's so much baggage, I believe, in our culture. There's um, inherited baggage. I think that that's the core, right? The inherited baggage. It's not our baggage. It is baggage that we inherited through our genes, through our DNA, via the suffering that our people and our ancestors have gone through. Um, that is also, I think epigenetics talks about that as well, um, that we are, our genes are affected by trauma, by experiences. Um, and that is one of the core things that I, when I think of um cultural baggages, we need to handle and be okay with and be at peace with and accept the fact of the history that our people have undergone. Um, so many people today can carry that, um, knowing that history and can carry that and exert it maybe as anger, you know, or depression, you know, we exude that information in, in some emotion in some way, you know, some people are just um, can't handle it. Some people just kind of just close out and just kind of soak up because regardless if we did not experience that directly it is in our blood and i feel it you know um i think john leguizamo if anybody watched did you watch john leguizamo's um that's kind of one of the things uh maybe recently over the last couple of years um the 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 history of Latino culture. And there's a lot of untold history that we all struggle with when we're going to normal American schools and we're taught a specific history and we wonder about mm -hmm. our own. Um, I had this conversation the other day. I, I had to look up my own history. What mm -hmm. is a Puerto Rican? What am I made of? What 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 is somebody that's born on the island of Puerto Rico? What is my history? You know? And I had to be in senior year to be uh, tasked to do a paper to figure out what my Latino culture was. It was a history yeah. project. And I'm like, wow, okay, so I'm made up of, you know, Africa. I'm, I'm made up of Spaniards. I'm made up of Taino Indians. And now what was that history, you know? Yep. And understanding that history and understanding the people, if you, if, which is what we don't, we fail to do, right? We're so focused on the here and now, which we should be on, on specific things, but we also need to come to terms with what has happened in the past and understanding the culture of the Taino Indians. And, and that, has a, that has definitely weighed on all of us because yes. all of us, especially if you're of Latino descent, you have the same culture. You have Indian uh, naturalized Indian culture within our blood that has been decimated. Our people have been slaughtered. Um, you know, obviously South America, there's, it's sporadic, it's huge over there, but I know for Puerto Rico and for the Northern part of South America, we have been slaughtered. Our people have been slaughtered. And these are not conversations that are, have been had. They're not history that we're taught in school. Um, but that weighs down on our identity and our sense of self-worth. Yes. Who are we and what do I do now? So do you feel then, uh, and I agree with you 100%. I was a Chicano studies major in college, a history uh, major. I majored uh, in Chicano studies because I love history. And same thing, um, going back 
to Chicano history and different periods of our history here in the U.S. and realizing, like, wait a minute, how come I didn't learn about this in U.S. history class, you know, et cetera, and so forth. And so I totally get where what you are saying right now. Do you feel then that um, because we don't learn about our history that then maybe generationally then we are either passing on or, or maybe suppressing some of that? Um, you know, because I'm just trying to think, like, how come my mom and dad didn't teach me about what happened? You know, is it because they didn't know or were they embarrassed? I mean, that's kind of where I'm getting at with my question. And do you think that maybe each generation sort of suppresses some of that or is just fearful of sharing some of that history? And, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't think that they really knew, you know, because who taught them? You know, that I mean, mm -hmm. we, we're, we're in a culture that there none of that really exists you know i know my mom was innocent you know versus like if she had the the knowledge to share that with me she would have um and let's say let's say she did have that knowledge i i really don't think that that it's a like trying to keep it from each other i think it's more so just complete ignorance we don't know what has happened but we are very emotional and we feel off we feel yeah. like, ah, you know, like something is off, something is, you know, how do we define that? And and that's the thing, especially when the subject matter of mental health, you know, Hispanic and Latino and just mental health overall, when somebody feels like there is something within me that I, is I can't define it, but it, it's it hurts. You know, there's a part of it that, that hurts. I, and I don't know how to describe that, but you know that it is historical DNA. And Epigenetics says that it's it's embedded in your genes. You can't change DNA, but you can change genes. And yeah. it, we are, our genes are susceptible to the environment that we are in. If you put a child in a cage and that child grows up in a cage or has been put in a cage for two months, ripped from his parents, that child will de develop such uh, brokenness within them. That child, when the offsprings, will deliver that DNA to that offspring. We wonder why we can't improve as a society, but we are we are uh, bound with this baggage of, not to mention the structure of the, the on which we are, are operating in, you know? So it yeah. absolutely affects your genes, but I don't know if it's a conscious um, thing to not tell you about it because we're all about telling each other the sure. history, right? Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, what about, what about, uh, Sandra, what about the differences in cultural baggage between Latinos? And let me give you uh, a specific example. So <clears throat> being Mexican, I grew up with being uh, instilled the fear of La Migra or the Border Patrol. In fact, I remember one one time we my dad's brother my uncle passed away in mexico and we drove the family drove uh to his service and i was driving pulled into a gas station somewhere i think it was in new mexico somewhere uh over there late at night and you know i'm just pumping gas no big deal and all of a sudden you know my mom and dad like hey ahí está la migra. you know there's the border patrol and i kind of looked up and sure enough the border patrol 
van, whatever, was pulled into the gas station. And just the fear that my parents had, even though both my parents are were legal residents uh, at the time, and I was born here, so I don't give a rip about you, Border Patrol, you know, like Vicente Fernandez, me see los mandados, okay? <laughs> but, um, but with Puerto Ricans, though, I don't think that that was instilled in Puerto Ricans as ever of being afraid of La Migra or the Border Patrol because obviously Puerto Rico is, you you are U.S. citizens, right? It's, 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 so it's a territory of the U.S. So what do you see in terms of maybe some of these cultural baggages within the Latino community that we might carry? Um, I think that probably every country has its own you know, based on the history uh, of your people. And I think that we hold on to that. Um, like, I feel a sense of a collaborative. As I mean, as, as Puerto Rico, yeah, like I'm part of the United States, but I have like high level people asking me, do I need a green card to exit to to work for you? You know, and, and I'm mm. like, did you just ask me that? And it, yeah. I'm like, and, and this was something, an incident that maybe happened five or six or seven years ago. And I'm like, um, Wow. You know, so there's an ignorance that happens. But yes. So like as a Puerto Rican, I, I feel a sense of, no, I belong here. Like, you don't understand. Right. I don't need a green card. Like I got my driver's license and that should be good enough. <laughs> yeah. It should be. But I'm still brown. Yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm still brown. Even though I grew up in the U.S., I'm still a brown person in the U.S. It doesn't matter how white my skin is. I am yeah. still brown. And that is evident by somebody just looking at me in the eye. There is no fooling anybody that you know that i can't i can't uh you know i've had people that say oh you know you could pass for like a, a white girl or or something like that i'm like you know first of all i hate those statements but um but i can't because it's never worked out for me you know yeah. so at, at the end of the day like i think that everybody has their own sense like they're venezuela like everybody has their own uh immediate baggage and their own things that they're dealing with culturally rightfully yeah. so Rightfully yes, so. yes, yes, yes. Well, and last year, I when I went to Panama uh, for the first time to do some training, um, I did training for about seven or eight different groups. And, um, you know, I, I'd never been to Panama. So I started to do some research on the culture, et cetera, and so forth. And one of the things, to your point that you uh, right now mentioned about, like, the color of your skin is in Panama, there is also racism that happens, uh, that is happening. And, and, and then also, you know, the whole gender uh, aspect of it. If you think we've kind of made some progress uh, here in the US as it relates to uh, shattering the glass ceiling, oh my gosh, over in Panama, they're still years behind. But, um, okay, so, so let's talk about then moving on to the, the gender cultural baggage that we sometimes carry within the Latino community. And again, I'll share just a brief example. My dad, very macho, you know, stereotypical, macho, patriarchal household. He had one set of rules for us guys mm -hmm. and another set of rules for my sisters. Yeah. I was younger than my sisters. And if my sisters ever wanted to go out wherever to the movies, shopping, whatever, you know, I had to go with them because I needed to keep an eye on my sisters that they weren't, you know, flirting or whatever. But us guys, doesn't give a rip, right? And so, again, there are some gender cultural biases within yes. the Latino community. And that pisses a lot of people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. That that patriarchal um, sense like really puts a lot of women in feeling like, am I am I being a good wife? Should I have said yes when I don't want to? Should I do this when I don't want to? Should I? Am I am I obligated to things that are outside of what I want? And that's really the question, right? Like, do, am I saying, do I, am I doing things in my day-to-day -day life because I feel that they, that some other force or some other community is saying that I'm obligated to fulfill these things? Um, like, I believe you're obligated to fulfill the things that you need to fulfill. Everybody has, is, is we're all connected, but we all have to fulfill our own inner purpose and mission and vision in life. And yeah, that is a big, heavy baggage for a lot of Latina women um, and women in general, because I'm sure a lot of women out in, the, in sure. this matter what culture you're coming from, you feel that sense of, I have to answer to something other than myself if I commit to that. That's why a lot of women stay single, you know, and are, yeah. are like not, not willing to kind of put that, put the, you know, to, to do that ceremony because it becomes control. And it becomes a power. Now you can meet somebody eye to eye that is on the same page as, as you and is not corrupted by some of that or influenced by some of that. I don't want to say corrupted, but influenced by some of that. That could sure. say, I respect you for who you are and you are my equal. But in the Latino culture, a lot of it is even from your surrounding network is aren't you supposed to be good a good servant, a good wife, a good spouse, a good lover, a good, aren't you supposed to fulfill these jobs for this other human being? You know, and I think that that's a, such a, um, I don't want to say broken, but it's so, it's it's past tense. Like it's right, not right, right. where we're going forward. We're owning who we are and we're res we, we need to respect who we are as individuals and our wants and needs as individuals. Right, I mean, Listen, uh, I, you know, you heard me say at the beginning, I learned so much, you know, from my parents. And uh, I mean, there were times when my mom would come to me and, you know, and be like, oh, son, I can't put up with your dad anymore. He's this, this and that. And yeah, there were times when I even told my mom, I'm like, mom, leave him. <laughs> like, okay, I mean, like, it's okay, you know, but again, like we say in Spanish, esos eran otros tiempos, you know, other yeah. ideologies, et cetera, and so forth. Yeah. I don't agree with it. And um, I mean, maybe I, I, like that was the baggage that she had. Like she exactly, had, yes. I'm sure her parents at her head or her grandparents, like any, any figures that were influential in her life, she was thinking, is this the right thing to do? Well, they're all going to think I'm, it's the wrong thing. So I need to right. do what they think. And that is cultural baggage that she yes. has. Well, and, and it, it, you bring up to the point too that also in the Latino community, we're always so worried about ¿Qué dirá la gente? What will people say? What will people say? My mom used to tell me that so much. Ay, Oscar, ¿Qué va a decir la gente? What are people going to say? <laughs> you know, and I used to kid around with her because I was like, one day I, I said to my mom, I said, what is the name of, of this gente, these people? Ay, Oscar, it's just people. I know, I get it. I mean, I speak Spanish too, mom. I mean, I was kind of rude to her, you know, disrespectful in that way. <laughs> but I was just giving her anger her on, you know, giving her a hard time. And I remember my mom finally saying, like, I forget it, Oscar. <laughs> but it's that baggage. So how, what are some ways from your perspective that women or just men and women or just people in general, we can start letting go of some of this baggage? Yeah. 
Um, the first thing um, I believe in is self-acceptance, you know, and it's self-understand, like it's understanding this happened, this is real, and now I either have to wallow and oh, whoa me about it, or I have to own it as part of my, my history and say, what am I going to do with this now going forward? But we can't get there until we accept, we like, come to terms where this is the history this is what has happened this is what has transpired in my life immediate life or historical like this is what i'm dealing with i accept it now what like you mm -hmm. have to shift your mindset to stop getting out of a victim mentality um, because all of us can fall into that like i mean there's so many people out there that feel that way right now and like i we i feel you like we all feel you all of us are undergoing the exact same thing in a different version you know but all of us are undergoing all of that so we have to accept what has transpired in our lives and in our history in order to have the foresight to see that we have to go forward okay That's okay sure what else what else do you think um that uh, we can do to to start letting go of some of this cultural baggage um, after that, definitively, like define a purpose, define a goal. What is the direction that we want to go in? What business do you want to open up or what uh, job do you want to go uh, work for? Like, who is the person that you want to become? Now that you know this crap, all of this baggage and heavy, sad, loss, anything negative that you could think, put that in the category of baggage. What is what do I do now with all of this and how do I let it define me to say, you know what, I'm I dealt with this. I have to I have to realize that it is my decision going fo forward, the life that I want to leave. So we have to definitive definitively decide I am going to create my life. You may not yeah. know how, but you have to decide that you are responsible for creating your life and you have to make that decision by saying I I'm responsible for my life and I am the master of my ship and I am going to create a new life for myself going forward. And it doesn't mean that you uh, put all those things behind you or that you forget about feeling them. It's about you directing your focus and saying oh, every person around us is carrying baggage. Yeah. I have my baggage, but the, what matters most is what we're doing with that going forward. And how do we impact the generations after us is by taking ownership of saying, yeah, this happened, we know this, this is a fact, but what am I gonna do with that power now? Because we are so powerful as human beings. Um, yes. So that would be number two is like, definitively decide the direction that you're going. What if someone, um, Sandra, doesn't know right now, isn't very clear what they want to do, what would you recommend? Because right now, like for example, from a job seeker standpoint, um, yeah. people that are 40 and older that maybe got laid off because of the pandemic um, are, well, normally uh, they they have a very difficult time yep. finding another job, age discrimination and various reasons. But yep. if if someone is having a difficult time trying to figure out what they want to do next or what their purpose is or et cetera, what would you recommend to them to do? Um, I definitely would recommend make a list of your like 
your skill sets that you love doing that are easy for you that flow out of you we have to mm -hmm. like tap into that creativeness because all of us have a unique creative gift and yes. sometimes there's people walking around like oh no i'm not creative or oh no i'm not as bright no you are you just haven't allowed yourself to be because of cultural baggage maybe some history in that person's past that has told them they're not allowed to dream too big or they're not allowed to uh do you know some of the things that they really want to do um but we have to find what makes us happy you know like if like i did a, a workshop once and it was like i had everybody kind of like just close their eyes and define like what is if you didn't have to work another day in your life where would you spend it that day how would mm -hmm. you spend that day? What would it look like? What would it feel like? And understanding that at the end of the day, we have realistic life, right? So having that vision in mind, if you have this vision of if I didn't have to work for another dollar, what would my life look like? And then backtracking and say, okay, great. I see this vision of what I would want my life to look like. What would I be willing to work to do to get there? Yes. You know, like what would I want to be doing? to live that life? What would I want to be doing at the same time? Because we have to be realistic with ourselves as well, you know, but it's about having that vision and saying, what is it? What hobbies? What do I like to do? What have people complimented me on, you know, you know, that have worked out? What do people say that I'm good at? I think we have to take inventory of what sure. we are, what we think our best skill sets are, and then what other people may think our best skill sets are. Um, but I, but I totally get that. You know what I mean? I, I totally get that. At the, at, there's a lot of forty plus reinvention, and yes. um, and it's a, a lot of people that probably never got the opportunity to wholeheartedly pursue something in their early twenties or thirties for whatever reason. Um, but now is the time. Find what makes your heart sing. Nobody can tell you that is. You know what that is. A lot of people like. Well, tell me what that is. You know, there's there's got to be some blue print roadmap somewhere that will tell me the key to my happiness there is no we have to be happy now you <laughs> yes. know in the in the midst of the attempt in the journey and i that's what i love you know yes. because like i don't care i'm gonna screw up i'm gonna make mistakes i might sound silly here you know whatever it is but i know i know for a fact that i'm gonna get better every single day so if you have yes. that mindset you know I, okay folks sandra just saved you 500 dollars from going to go talk to a life coach okay so okay. like go back and replay this like those last five minutes here because she just saved you 500 bucks here <laughs> that's that was great stuff uh by the way uh we have lacero my friend lacero and uh marta that are that are on here watching too thank you uh folks um another question that comes to my mind is is that Share with us, what is some of the baggage that you have had to let go to get to where you are today as a business owner? Because I'm a business owner myself. Being in business for yourself is not easy. It's not for everyone. But you've been in business for, again, almost 14 years. What is some of the baggage that you have let go? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think anybody with baggage doesn't want to be asked that question. But I'm going to answer <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll tell you, like, I, I am a single mom, but I grew up with a single mom. Um, you know, I, I was the youngest of five and I was about, I was a rebel. I think like anybody, you know, like I turned 16 and I was a rebel, you know, especially, you know, in the nineties, you know, but, um, in 98, 
I lost my brother to a drug overdose. He was my oldest oh, brother, my, of my mother's firstborn. I lost him to a drug overdose. And I and I had my son a year prior to that. And when I had my son, um, I was getting, um, I, I was always been spiritual, like, you know, very into God and what are we made of and what's the truth and which religion is right. Like I went on that journey, you know, and I sought out so many different religions to, um, not to become those religions, but to understand understand the logic sure. of that and understand, okay, well, what's the truth? You know, because I don't believe that one book can hold all truth of a God, right? That's, to me, that's absolutely impossible. So that I know that there are, that truth is scattered all over and in everything. Um, so initially, like, Growing up, uh, like Pentecostal was my first church, you know, I initially I'll tell you a, a, a quick situation is I had one woman tell me I was I used to read the Bible, the Spanish Bible. I was like the one that raised my hand every Sunday, like, hey, I'll, read, I'll read, I'll read, you know, because I loved reading the words of God. Yeah. I, loved, I, I don't know, as a child, that's it just meant a lot to me. And I was about six or seven years old. And I remember sitting there in the um, the Dama section, you know, and and I had a woman say to me, you know, you're never going to heaven because you were never baptized. And I'm like, I wasn't, you know, like I'm sitting there as a kid. I remember that oh, God. Like, I wasn't <laughs> like, oh, no. Like and then and then for a second and I'm like, hold up, you don't know God. I remember at six years old thinking you woman who is talking to me with your finger pointing at me, you don't know God because I've read the Bible every Sunday in Spanish and God exemplifies love. So you can't tell me that I'm not worthy, you know, when I know that I am, you know, so I, I had this, this sense of self-worth at the same time that's sitting in the back of my head. Is she right? Is she right? Yes, yes, yes. But when I was, um, when I was 21, I lost my brother to a drug overdose. Um, and then when I was 22, my mother was diagnosed with full-blown Alzheimer's. She was a single mom. And that is what I call like, I lost her the first time because she didn't die to 2011. Yeah. But in 99, yeah. she was diagnosed with full-blown Alzheimer's. And we um, tried to take care of her on our own. And then we eventually had to put her in a home. For the Latino community, that weighs on me every day. There is not a day goes by that I do not think of my mom. There's not a day goes by that I don't feel guilty um, because yes. I have my son. You know, like I still feel like I had to raise my son, but I should have done more. You know, yes. I, and I'm in Florida and she's in New Jersey, but I should have figured it out. Maybe my life should have been different or I, I should have been there because I suffer when you have lost a parent like that, like you suffer alongside. You know, I think I'll lay in bed and I'm thinking of how she must have felt without no understanding anything in that bed. Yeah. Like, man, I lived my life a kind human being and this is what I get. Yes. This is what happens to me. Like that stuff haunts me every single day. Like, wow, how is this loving God? You know, and that's a whole nother subject. You know what I mean? How, like this idea of this love and life that we're living in and how does he let good people suffer to that degree? Yes. So that, yeah. that weighed on me a lot. Um, so I absolutely consider that baggage because I have not let go of carrying that. You know, a lot of people try to say, oh, put that stuff behind you. And it's not, that'll never go behind me. No, it's, you're right. No, you're, you're right. I mean, prior to going live, 
you and I were talking a little bit about this, and I share with you too, of um, having cared for my parents, uh, especially the last six years that they were alive, and then also making the decision to put both my parents in a nursing facility the last two years of their life, and how that instilled it weighs on me a, a sense of guilt. But there's only so much that you can do, and um, and and and. You know, I, I, I'll tell you something, because my mom especially, both my parents obviously did not want to be in a nursing facility, but especially my mom, she was so adamant and like really, really made me feel guilty that I wouldn't pull them out because she would say, oh, you know, certain relatives can help you. They'll give you a hand. I'm like, mom, I don't need a hand. I need a whole body to help me, <laughs> okay? Like, and, but I remember one time telling my mom, um, I said, mom, I said, do you remember when you left Mexico when you left grandma, your mother, to come to the U.S. with dad. It's like, yeah. I said, you didn't do it for me. She's like, yeah, I did. I said, no, you did it, mom. I said, you did it because you love dad. That's why you did it. You wanted to follow dad. And obviously, I'm your son, so I'm coming along. And you left grandma behind to pursue what you wanted. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, mom. You chose your happiness and in this case at that time it was being with dad that was your happiness and as much as grandma was heartbroken and didn't want you to leave her you did guess what it is my time to leave you but i'm not leaving you just on your own that's just the way life is and while it still doesn't settle with me there's still like you know kind of that guilt it is in a way some kind of maybe an emotional um ointment to kind of ease that pain or that guilt of, of doing that so but um said so you i mean as a business owner as a woman you know you, you are out there working obviously with a lot of companies uh entrepreneurs men um what are some what are what are what are some of the challenges that you kind of some common challenges that or misperceptions that maybe you might run into and how do you overcome that crap you know and, and keep succeeding yeah um well like what crap like because there's a lot of crap from <laughs> pick any of it okay <laughs> pick you any know, of it my, my theory is um i am i i'm only capable of being as good as I can be. I don't, so I don't put any pressure on myself that says, man, I should have been better. I should have done better. I could, I could have done better. I, man, I, I, in my head, I'm better, you know, like I don't put any weight on myself on expectations. I have a focus. I have a goal. What is the agenda and the mission that I want to create in this world? And I want to leave the world a better place for my children, for my son, for my grandchildren that I would have in the future and the future generations of us as a society. Um, so like, I don't put weight on myself to, I don't put any weight on myself. I just, I just own who I am. I accept myself for what I am, flaws and all. I am capable of so much in the, in the big spheres. I do what is within my reach and I take action. Like so many people, um, that I've had conversations like, yeah, they, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to empower all these people. All right, wonderful. What are you doing right now? Yeah, uh, yes, I'm watching yes, yes. a Netflix series and it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome you're going to watch it. I'm like, oh man, like, I don't know. <laughs> so, like, 
you know, I think that it's important that we just are, we, we identify what do we want out of this life? Because we're going to be 90, 90 years old, possibly in a nursing home or maybe earlier than that, or somewhere, you know, somewhere else we're going to, we're all going to get old. Are you going to want to regret not having attempted to take chances on the things that you wanted to do because you felt you weren't ready because you felt you were hurt or be, it wasn't the right time or you didn't have the right words or you didn't have the right, like, are we going to live that way? You know, yeah. like I want to challenge everybody that's listening to this. You, you, your responsibility is to not live that way. Your responsibility is to make sure that you are executing and tapping in to your own potential power. Like we are so powerful. I think all of us read this. We could read every self-help book, every magazine, everything that tells us we are powerful beyond measure. And yet we don't tap into that power and actually use it. So like first is have a clear definition on where you want to go. Where do you want this ride of your life to go? Where are you steering your ship? Because if you don't know where you're steering, if you don't have any direction and you're happy with landing everywhere, guess where you're going to land? Anywhere. And Anywhere, it's going to yes. subpar and you're going to live with regrets and you're going to say, why didn't I ever do that? Or damn, I should have kept that opportunity. That's what's going to happen when we don't yes. have a clear definition on what we want in life. When we have a clear definition the things that come our way that say, hey, you want to do this? No, no, no. I'm going this way. I'm going this way. I have a direction, you know, and you're either in line with me to make sure you're going to work with me to attempt and go after that mission or you're not. And we have to be diligent about that. We have to be responsible about that, because I think as a community, it's so easy to say, OK, Benito, all right, or okay. (laughs) And what all that is, is I'm sacrificing myself for what I perceive to be this greater good. But we are also need to be conscious of the people that we're putting around us that get to have a right to say anything to us. Yes. Yes. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I, yeah, having that, that, sense of purpose and um, making sure that we, like you said, that we surround ourselves, right, with the right people that are influencing us. The other thing too, with the surrounding ourselves is, is that, you know, I mean, as Latinos, we are, family is important. And it's not like we're going to just divorce our family, yeah. you know, whether we like our cousins or aunts, uncles, or, or brothers or sisters or whatever, right? They'll be around us. But I think it's also important that we develop that internal fortitude, that emotional strength to not let them, some of them, that, that it negatively influence us because we can also subject ourselves to that influence that will steer us away from some of our goals you know so definitely last question that i want to ask you or last last point and that is um here's what i'm seeing uh especially here during these COVID times i am seeing what i call the influence gap uh and it's happening this influence gap is is happening uh within the minority community but i'll talk about right now just within the latino community the influence gap to me is that prior to COVID, we had people that were in management, some C level, that would be invited to a panel. 
uh, or they would be, gosh, maybe they're high enough that they would be invited to go give us a talk at, at a graduation, right, uh, et cetera and so forth. And so these are Latinos that are uh, influential and are giving a talk and inspiring the next generation or the younger generation. COVID hits and there is hardly any more live events. So now everything's online. So in some cases, some of these professionals are still being invited on a Zoom webinar, you know, for whatever organization to give a talk. But what I've also noticed is, is that many of these 40 and older professionals are not using, haven't been using social media for the obvious reasons that you and I know. I'm not a techie. That's for young kids. Why should I need to be on Snapchat? Why do I need to be on TikTok? You know, my, you know, my, my grandkids or my, my kids are on there, that, that, right? So we, they dismiss and we dismiss technology. So now we, so now the only way a Latino can influence these young generations is if they are invited to do something like this, but to do it on their own, it's almost non-existent. So there's this influence gap because where are the young, who is, the, when you look at the demographic of who is on the internet, who is on social media, it's minority kids, Latino kids. I, I have my, my, uh, my cousin's kid in Mexico, small little town, rancho, who in February, when I was over there, that kid is playing Fortnite on my cousin's cell phone, okay? I mean, if he came to the US, he would be in, in ESL classes because he couldn't speak English, but he's a damn good Fortnite player. And so there's this, that's what I mean by this influence gap that we are blowing it. 40 and older Latinos, we're blowing it. We're blowing it, folks. Get on it, okay? Después no van a estar llorando later on, okay? What, you're very active on social media, on all platforms, you have your podcasts, you know, you help people uh, of all, you know, ethnicities and so forth, maximize marketing efforts. What advice do you have to these Latinos that are acting like their grandfather's technology, these old fart acting 40 plus year old Latinos so that they can influence the younger generation? Yeah, wow, that's, um, <clears throat> I, I'll say three things. Um, one is, you need to have your purpose, which we kind of addressed a little bit. You need to have a focus. You need to have a purpose of where you're going. Um, two, you need to understand the power and the potential power that lies within you. If you don't know it, if you ever doubt yourself, man, go to science. Like science doesn't lie, right? Uh, that that we know of, right? But science is is um, so such a great tool to really discover what we don't know we don't know you know like yes. we're, especially as a spiritual community we think um you know there there th this is the way that it is but when you get science to back up some of those things and i mean by the studies that say you know when you when you uh zoom into us we are nothing but vibrating energy you know th th let, let's use that as a score we are nothing yeah. but vibrating energy we have so much potential power the life that we want to live is or, or that we want to execute is all starts up here we have the power to manifest the life that we want by what we decide is the life that we want the problem is none of us are afforded that we were never told hey you kid at kindergarten you can have any life you want 
and all of it is within your power and it is you have all of the potential within you you don't have to ask anybody just study and 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 uh you know harness that craft we're never taught that we're told follow this road this blueprint that other yes. people have followed and become part of the working america so we need to understand that power the the potential power that lies within us and then the third thing that i always say is goya you know what goya <laughs> is <laughs> yes, but tell, tell uh, everyone for those that don't. So I, I, I did this at a, a leadership summit one time and I said, go ahead. And they're like, oh, that's all uh, the seasoning and stuff. No, you once you understand your power and your potential power and you understand your purpose, all you need is Goya. And Goya is get off your ass. Action. <laughs> Take action. And that's what we lack. You know, a lot of people are like afraid to make moves. Do it. What is yes. going to happen? I'm afraid to call this person. Why? Why? It's another person on the other line. You know, oh, I don't want to do this because this might happen. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Take yes. action. You are not going to move forward at all in life if you hold yourself back because you feel Yes, Lazaro, uh, because you feel that you, you know, something, you know, you just something is stopping you from taking action. But taking action will cure all remedies. You're feeling yes. sad? Take action. You don't yes. want to exercise? Go exercise. You don't want to write that thing? Start writing. Take action. You will achieve the things that you want to do. And then you start, trans. you know, you start changing your mind to feeling like you're forcing itself to do something, to start thinking like, I enjoy doing this. Like we, we don't understand about ourselves is yet to be discovered, but yes. all of us uniquely in our own journey and our own experience as human beings are all discovering a little bit of each of that something. And I know that when I focus on something, it happens. Yes. And I think that, you know, so if we, are able to harness that focus into what it is that we really do want to happen as opposed to focusing that energy and saying, man, the guilt and the crap and the I should have and the I could have. And, and, you know, when we're putting energy in that back end, we're not we're not directing the energy on what we want to create in life. Uh, yeah. But if you have a position that you want to go after and you you want to a company that you want to work for because you believe in the morals or the core values of that organization, like write to them. You know, go after them. You know, like we have the ability to do all of these things. We don't tap into it because yeah. of mere laziness or a, a mere self-doubt or a lack of self-worth. But if we were to strip that, if you're a, if you're feeling any of those emotions and you were to say, man, I know that this may move the ball forward in my life. I'm just I'm worried and I'm scared and I'm intimidated when you cross that chasm like you are going to like reach a new level of yourself and that's the evolution of humanity and i think that that's the beautiful part when we discover a part about ourselves that we're like man i was i remember when when i was feeling yes. now i'm owning myself we have a responsibility to own our identity and do what you want in this life you know change happens when you decide it's going to happen when you focus on it happening and you're and you're in a state of happiness when you're when you're doing what you just said. Um, 
I love the fact, you know, that the whole uh, Goya, like you said, get off your ass. It remind me of my dad. My dad, um, I mean, the guy was legally blind, um, needed a walker, you know, to get around at times, you know, on a, in a wheelchair. I mean, he had all the major ailments, heart problems, you know, all that stuff. But he never gave up. He always tried to figure out a way of how to just stay active. So, uh, yes, get off your ass. There is a question here from someone that says, what advice would you give to those 50-year-olds that think that their time has gone by and their purpose in life is to live for their grandchildren? Oh, wow. Like, you have another 50 years. Like, you have to see it. Like, I only lived blip. You know, like, you have another 50 years. You have to train your mind to say, I got 50 years. What am I going to do? Because the moment that you start thinking, I'm living just for them, you're going to find yourself in a pit of loneliness, a pit of sorrow, because they they eventually have to live their own lives, right? Just yes. like you had mentioned the story that eventually the yes. kids have to go on, on their own. Well, when those grandchildren grow, become 14, 15, and aren't really interested in hanging out with their grandparents, then what? Treasure yeah. them now, but at the same time, make sure that you're creating, What? Do you, how do you want to spend the last 50 years of your life? Yes. years still yes. like you have to you can't say this is the average of that focus on i got 50 more years to go what yes. do i want to do with it what do i want yeah. what, what do i get to do with it to do I, I don't know sandra i don't know about you but i'm going to live to 150 so i have 100 more years well wait a minute. i'm 51 so i have 149 more years to go at least <laughs> I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Well, biblical times. How do you, how do you, you know, like there's so many biblical stories where these people lived so many hundreds of years. Yeah, right? I know. I know. I was like, exactly. I'm like, wait a minute. How come this, this home dude over here lived to like 300 years old? What? Let's <laughs> you know? on that. See if we can make it happen. Yeah. Whole Foods didn't exist, you know, the Trader Joe's, you know, there was no organic food. Well, I guess there was organic food, but uh Sandra. That's another story. I'll get on the yeah. government side of not getting us healthy food in another subject. <laughs> I was on the free and reduced lunch uh, program in elementary school. So anyway, but uh, Sandra, it has been amazing talking to you. You certainly did not disappoint uh, me or I'm sure anyone here based on the interaction, the questions and feedback uh, from folks here. You certainly do have, have a purpose. And with that purpose comes excitement, energy, a big smile. Uh, and, uh, you know, since we've been connected on LinkedIn uh, and then also uh, following your podcast too as well, obviously I'm getting a better understanding of what you do, et cetera, and so forth. And um, I just want to congratulate you for your success. I want to thank you for the lives that you are impacting and also, you know, I don't know obviously anything about your son except from what you shared, but myself being a dad and having uh, my daughter who works with me, who today unfortunately threw out her back and so she couldn't be with us today. But one of the joys that I have uh, in having my own company and having my daughter is empowering her to stand up on her own two feet and not need some way. And then, you know, I said, wait, for those of you who speak Spanish, you know what I mean? Later on in the future, having to tell her what to do. So thank you, uh, Senator, for setting a great example for your son as well uh, as a mother and as an entrepreneur. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being with you, Oscar.
Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspedaconsulting.com. Thank you.